0: So tonight we're going to talk about what's called right samadhi, this Pali word samadhi, which is typically translated as the word concentration. So when you hear people use the word concentration, that's what they mean, samadhi. Um, It turns out there's not just one way to talk about that samadhi is understood and talked about and taught. And so I can't tell you the one right correct understanding of right samadhi. I'm going to talk to you about several different understandings and please keep in mind that there's not a right or wrong with this and it's not like one understanding is better or more correct than the other and you'll see what I mean as we get into the topic a little bit. Okay. So. In a, in, a, in a little while I'll actually define right samadhi as po- in the Eightfold Path, but in order to really understand it I want to back up first and make some general comments about samadhi. You notice I'm using the word samadhi rather than using the English word concentration. I could go either way uh, but I'm just choosing to use the Pali here because the word concentration can have certain connotations so I want to explain about some of the different ways it can be understood. Um, And I want to talk a little bit about some of the different ways that concentration is taught in relationship to insight meditation. And then we'll finally get into right Samadhi itself. But we have to have some background here. For any of you who've ever uh, taken on a practice of bringing mindfulness into your daily life, And say, for example, you decide, okay, I'm going to try and be aware moment to moment the best I can. So maybe, I don't know, whatever, you're driving in a car and you say, okay, I'm going to feel my hands on the steering wheel. That'll be my anchoring point. Or I'm going to stay with my breathing through whatever I'm doing. Perhaps you're going to feel your feet walking as you walk or just being aware in any way you can, as much as you can in the moment. So you have this wholesome, beautiful, sincere intention. And you're mindful of few breaths and then eight hours later you wake up and realize oh yeah I forgot I'm trying to remember to be mindful if that's ever happened to you you've experienced mindfulness without the support of samadhi of concentration that's very different as you'll see when we talk about what samadhi is mindfulness with concentration. It's a total, it's completely different state of mind. So we often most commonly translate, as I said, the word samadhi to mean concentration. It actually has the meaning undistractedness, undistractedness, right? There's a lot of different ways that that undistractedness is understood and I want to name two that are important and then we'll come back and see why these two are important and they're very different. If you're meditating and say you're p- use it working with the breath and you're focusing at one particular point, maybe it's at the nose or the belly, wherever, if you kept practicing over time and strengthened the ability of the mind to focus and concentrate on the breath, if you took it far enough It's possible to to strengthen that ability of the mind to concentrate so much that it could stay, it's called one-pointed, because the mind could stay more and more narrowly on this point. In this this case, it's the the breath. We're calling it a point on one thing exclusively. You would never wander away. In fact, you could take that so far, now this is getting quite, Far, but it's possible to to take that exclusive one-pointed concentration so far that you could be so, and it could be on anything. But I'm using the example of the breath. You could be so much on this the breath that you literally don't notice anything else. In fact, you lose awareness of everything else. If someone were, you wouldn't hear sounds. You wouldn't feel your body anymore. You could be so locked onto this one point because the ability of the mind to concentrate on a single point has been strengthened so much. So it's possible to do that. And that's one form of, some of concentration or samadhi. And I call it an exclusive, meaning it excludes everything else. And it's exclusively on one thing in this example, the breath. But it could be whatever you use to focus on, right? And so as you, st- if you're practicing in that way, there's ways you can practice to do this, which maybe we'll be able to talk about tonight. You, even if you're not, even if you haven't taken it to the pinnacle, to the peak where you can never be distracted, you could still get more and more pretty strongly on this one point. So you don't get distracted very much. Or when it does happen, it doesn't last for very long, you're just right back. Okay? So that's this exclusive form of samadhi. Basically, if you take it, to the end point, as I said, there won't be any other experiences other than just that one point that you're concentrating on, if you took it far enough. I doubt any of us, maybe somebody here's experienced that, but that's really getting quite far along to do this. What actually happens is, normally in our lives, there's a whole flow of experiences happening. Sights, sounds, body sensations, just the whole range of our experiences in the body and in the mind. The flow of experience stops, because you're so one-pointed on a point, right? You get the idea? Even if you can't experience what it is, but you understand intellectually what I'm saying. The flow of experience stops. If you took it all the way. There's another very different style of samadhi, of undistractedness. That's just, you can take it just as far as what I've talked about but it's actually qualitatively very different. Rather than the you get so locked on a point that the flow of experience stops, you can, it's it's hard to describe but I'm gonna let me just say it and I'll I'll try to explain. The mind stops but the, all the flows of experiences are still happening. Don't ask me what the mind is. That's, I don't know what the mind is, but there's an experience of the mind being perfectly present, undistracted, unmoving, clear, just as still and undistracted, but it's open and inclusive, it's not an exclusive awareness, it's an inclusive awareness. Because all the other experiences are coming and going, either, even though underneath that, there's this still present mind that never gets, it's also completely undistracted. But you get the difference here, even though you, if you haven't experienced it, you might be wondering, well, what would that be like? But I'm just, and if you haven't experienced these things, it's hard to 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 know any experience if you haven't actually had the experience, right? It doesn't matter what it is. If you actually haven't, you know, if someone said here taste this sweet drink and you've never had it, you can't actually know the experience of it even though they could describe it. But the basic point I want to get across here is these two types of undistractedness. Concentrated exclusively on a point and you lose everything else or just still and present undistracted but actually quite open as all different kinds of experiences come and go. That's an important distinction that doesn't get made a lot, but it's actually an important distinction. If you practice the, say at a place like Spirit Rock or many other places, I'll just make a sort of a, a general statement about the insight meditation scene in this country, if I will and this is a generalization, so it's any generalization is not 100% true, but it's roughly true. You will find that there's a range of ways that people talk about concentration. Many teachers hardly talk about concentration, samadhi, at all. They are, they'll just talk about mindfulness, mindfulness, everything's mindfulness. That's the emphasis. And the idea being is, is if you just are mindful, moment moment by moment the best you can, whether using the, some people might have you stay a lot with some object like the breath, or some may, may not even want you to fix on any object, just being moment to moment mindful with whatever's predominant in your experience. There's lots of different ways it's taught. We're not going to get into the different techniques tonight so much. But the idea is the mind will naturally learn to settle down. You don't, you don't need to worry about concentration you just practice mindfulness knowing that by doing that coming back moment by moment when you wander away keep coming back to the present moment the mind will get trained and will learn to settle and be less distracted that's one way you'll hear people talk a lot here here and lots of other places the other end of the spectrum is there'll be teachers who'll say no 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 You've got to focus on getting concentrated. It's so important. You've got to do practices that will specifically generate samadhi in these different forms that I'm talking about. And if you don't do it, you're, not, you're doing a big disservice to yourself because using the example I just used, it's like if you don't have good samadhi and you're trying to practice mindfulness, the mind's just scattered. You need to really be more settled and present and clear. So you've got to focus a lot on uh, samadhi, and then there's people like me that are kind of in the middle, which I'll explain more later. I actually think samadhi is a real big deal, and I don't think you've got to get anything. I'll explain. There's no gotta get. You just get what you get in the moment, but let's practice in a way that heads us towards you know, less distraction in the mind. So there's lots of different ways people teach. It's, they're all good. There's not a right or wrong. One way is not a better way than another, it's just what way do we relate with or connect with the best for us. And it's going to vary, that's why there's such a range. So in the insight meditation scene, what you'll normally hear from almost all the teachers is, there's these two different paths of practice. There's insight meditation, and then concentration meditation is something different than insight meditation. And it's important to do that sometime to support your insight, but in fact, it's two different things. And you know, for example, here at Spirit Rock, in April, they have a retreat called the Concentration Retreat. So that tells you right away that that's something different than all the other retreats, which are Vipassana, Insight, meditation retreats. They're they're calling it something different. And the idea being if you, because the way most people understand concentration they've been taught is that first way I told you, which was what I call exclusive one-pointed. Even if you don't take it all the way, you're heading in a direction where we're mostly interested in the states of being concentrated itself, being calm. There's all kinds of experiences that can come, can feel blissful. I'm going to come back to that in a bit, but lots of experiences that can come. But you can't but but if you get so one-pointed, you can't do what's called insight meditation. Because for insight meditation, you have to have changing experiences. That's a big feature of what we call insight meditation. And if you get so exclusively concentrated like I was talking about before, remember I said you can't you kind of ultimately you would lose the experience of changing phenomena, right? Are you all hanging in with me so far here? Yes. Okay. So then it's true, you can't can't do insight practice because to do insight, as we had talked about a little earlier, classically, insight meditation means you have insights into what are called the three characteristics of, well, they're actually called three characteristics of existence, so it's kind of a heavy-duty name. But what it means is the three characteristics are impermanence. That's what's true of just our world. Anything in our bodies, our minds, the internal, external world, impermanence is it, right? Or we see into unsatisfactoriness, or we often use the word suffering. Because things are changing, if we try to cling on to things, we're either going to suffer in the moment or. We're setting up the seeds of potential future suffering because we're trying to hold on to things that are, that are bound to change. You know, if we're identified with our bodies, which most of us are, what's gonna happen? Well, I look around, we're all at different ages here. Some of you were younger. I'm not the oldest in the room, but I'm probably heading in that direction. So, you know, when I look in the mirror and I see a 56-year-old face looking back and wonder, where did my youth go? What happened? For those of you who are younger, what do you think is going to happen? One day you're going to look in the mirror and it's like, you know, I think I remember something It was like 30 years ago. I think Spirit there was some old guy up there and he was talking about looking in the mirror and wondering where his youth went. Where did mine go? It's not to make us depressed, it's just to see that if we're clinging to our youth or our bodies, we suffer because it inevitably changes. So seeing deeply into the, into the truth of impermanence, the idea is not to depress us, but so that there's a, a, a non-clinging or a letting go or liberation of the mind that happens. And we learn to live more in peace just in the midst of, the way things are, which is changing. We're not clinging and holding on to things so much. We see into the truth of uh, selflessness, or what's sometimes called no self, and we're not going to get into that much tonight, but just to say if everything's changing, if everything's impermanent, that also applies to our own being. And part of what we're doing is looking deeply into the nature of our own being to see what's really true about it we see there's no permanent essence in there, in here that what we are as someone once said we're we're not nouns we're verbs we do exist but what we are is just a collection of changing phenomena that's come together there's no permanent essence in there so these are all things that we start to see i know i'm throwing these out quickly and it could be stirring up a lot actually i think the three characteristics will be talked about in the third semester of Essential Dharma, because it wasn't in the first one, I don't, yeah, it's in the third semester for those of you coming back, we spent a lot of time on these. So insight is, is, I use the word seeing, but it doesn't have to be through the visual, seeing, knowing, understanding, getting it really deeply, these truths in the service of a liberation of mind. So we need to, touch in with changing phenomena, and what can happen in these deep concentration states is you can just go into these states of many, many ways as experience, but it can be, say, for example, just pure bliss, and you're just in bliss. And in the moment while you're in there, you're not experienced change, it's just pure bliss. And it's great when you experience these things, but those experiences come and go. So where people sometimes will kind of warn you about, don't practice all these concentration practices, be careful, that's not insight, is what they're saying is, is that you can cultivate these meditative states. They're important, they're a big deal, they're really there and they're accessible to every one of us. And sometimes, what actually often what happens is we meditate in order to have those states because they're so intensely pleasant. But like everything, they're impermanent. They're inherently unsatisfying, they're not self, because they come and go. You can't permanently enter a state like that. And so you need to come out of those states and then turn the mind to this other kind of practice that's called insight meditation, which is usually talked about as just bringing mindfulness moment to moment to whatever's happening in our experience. And that the value of having done those concentration practices as a separate kind of practice is it, uh, then the mind is sharp and clear. and We have that undistractedness. So even when we come out of it, we're in a, in a less strong state of concentration. We've kind of backed out of it. So now we can feel our bodies again. We can hear sounds, we can have thoughts and emotions, and then we can turn the mindfulness into that. And that's insight meditation. So there's these two paths of meditation. Now there's one more thing I need to say about this, so I, I'm aware of clipping along pretty quickly here because it just uh, we only have so much time, it's a big topic. Let me stop for a moment. Is this making sense, what I'm saying, yes. mostly? I don't see anybody, no, any no's out there? Okay, it's not that complicated, but you get the idea, right? So this is what you'll hear, there's insight meditation, This other thing called concentration, I'm summing up here, and concentration is separate because if you take it far enough, it's more about the meditative state itself that you go into, and you, right? And it's different than insight meditation. One more piece I have to add to fill in that picture. Can I ask one quick question? Yes, go ahead and ask a question. But still, like on the Eightfold Path, there is the step of concentration. I'm coming back to the Eightfold okay. Path in a minute. So I haven't talked about the Samadhi on the Eightfold Path yet, but okay. I'm going to do that. I'm just trying to give you a general background okay. because there's another piece I haven't gotten to yet that complicates the picture just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's, okay. that was fine to ask that question. Okay, I don't want to get too much into questions. Go ahead, yes. Is that what separates Zen Buddhism from Vipassana? What you said? No, that's a big question. I'm not gonna be able to get into it. Now I can chat with you offline, but I would not say that. He was asking if that separates Zen from Vipassana, and so that's a, a whole other topic. Okay, if you take this concentration path far enough, and go into this one-pointed concentration, you enter meditative states and you should at least know this term that are called jhana. It's J-H-A-N-A, jhana. The word jhana literally means uh, to meditate, but it has a very specific meaning almost all the time. It's very specific states. It's the deepest states of samadhi. And I'm not going to get into talking about them much tonight, but, but they're states characterized by uh, really a, uh, an, an utter undistractedness. When you come to the peak of undistractedness, when you're in jhana, the mind cannot wander off. It's happening effortlessly. We can, if we have time, we could talk about the state more. And then depend, there's these four jhanas that are laid out, subtler and subtler states. And um, they, um, they're characterized by bliss and this intense pleasantness and equanimity. And there's all the, anyway, it's the deepest states of samadhi where all these, many of the meditative states that you, kind of the cliches of meditation, come out of these states. And if you want more about that, there's books in the bookstore here, that was what my book gets into that, other things like that, if you wanted to explore that more deeply. Okay. What I've basically said, and, and really we just barely d- brushed on it, so we didn't have time to give it really the, the to go into it fully, but you've just kind of heard that. Everything I've just told you, actually comes out of, you know, our tradition comes out of what's called Theravada Buddhism, which is, we've talked about that a little bit, it's the style of Buddhism predominantly in Thailand, Sri Lanka, Burma, maybe Laos, Cambodia, some in those countries. And its it's texts were preserved in the Pali language. And of the schools of Buddhism that existed within a short time after the Buddha died, There's a number of them. They all died out, except for one, Theravada Buddhism. And it's the one, it's obviously must have changed over the centuries, but it's the one that survived from the early schools. All these other schools, I'm not saying they're any less or less authentic, or they're not real, but they're just, just so you know, historically, they were later developments, all the Mahayana Zen and Tibetan and all that. So our tradition, it's influenced by all these other traditions, but it's kind of the root of it comes out of this Theravada Pali language tradition. And one of the things you should know is, is that there's what are called the suttas, s-u-t-t-a-s, suttas in Sanskrit, sutra, sutras uh, in Pali, suttas. Those are the, the original teachings that were preserved. They probably changed a lot since the... since. You know that came out of the Buddha's mouth, but that was the original preserved. And then there was a whole body of commentaries that developed over many centuries, that culminated in this one important work that came out about a thousand years after the Buddha died. In case you're interested, it's a it's a tongue twister of a name. You'll probably never remember it, but it's called the with the V Vasudhi Maga. Very very important book that pull together this commentarial understanding. Everything that I've told you so far tonight is not what comes out of the original suttas, It's actually what comes out of that this later commentarial tradition and their understanding of there's these two paths and one is concentration that takes all the way to jhana and we have to have this separate path called insight meditation because if you go into this kind of jhana, you can't do insight as we've been saying. You've got to come out and switch this other path. Or... You don't ever have to do concentration, you just go straight to insight, and you never talk about jhana or concentration much, which is our scene, is the pure insight path, and notice people don't talk about these jhana states and much around here. If you go back to the suttas, it's a different scene. It's a different understanding, so now I'm going to give you a second understanding. What I'm about to say is controversial. It is correct, what I'm about to say. (laughs) (laughs) Remember earlier I told you I have a lot of opinions? What what I'm not saying, what what I'm very clearly not saying is that that one is better or more right than the other, because these different ways that people practice, people clearly have gone very deep in all of these different ways. But the suttas, the original suttas, are different than the later commentarial understanding, clearly. They're two different systems. If you go back to the original suttas, when they were talking about Samadhi and concentration, they were talking about the second kind, not exclusive one pointed, but an undistracted mind that's open and inclusive. That was the original suttas we were talking about. different kind of Samadhi, just as deeply concentrated, all the bliss and the pleasant, all the experiences are still there, but you can still feel the body and hear sounds and everything. It's a different kind, It's it's not less concentrated, it's a different kind of concentration. And the Buddha did not divide meditation into two separate paths of concentration and insight. There's no place that he did that, that only exists in the later commentaries. And the reason for that is, is because he wasn't talking about, even if you took it all the way as far as you could take it, you don't get to this one-pointed, narrow, exclusive concentration where you can't do insight. If you take that concentration from the original suttas all the way, the mind becomes still, but you're more connected with change. The insight is happening right in with the concentration together. They're not separated out. Does that make sense, what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, we're going to have a little time for questions, but because I know I'm going fast. And it just so happens that this second... I happen to practice and teach in the second style I'm talking about. It's not better than any other style. When I'm here at Spirit Rock, you know I have taught, I don't know, 20 retreats here, I teach in, in that style. But really on my own, just so that I, I actually practice in a different style where, the, where they, they're not separated out. even if you take some, even if you go all the way into jhana, it's a different jhana. There's actually two different jhana systems out there. And in this style of practice, you don't have to tell people, well, don't do concentration practice because you're not doing insight. We're not separating them out so much. It's different. Okay. So there's a lot of detail I couldn't go into there, but the main thing I wanted to say to you is that there's sort of these two understandings out there. There's the understanding that has these two separate paths and the Concentration, where you can't do insight, there's a whole understanding out there where they're synthesized into one thing. Even though concentration and insight aren't the same thing, mindfulness, they're different. It's part of one practice. If when Joseph Goldstein and Sharon Salzberg and Jack Kornfield and others first came back from Asia and started teaching in this country in the early 70s, they had practiced with a number of different teachers. But the style they started teaching in was heavily influenced by this one great Burmese master named Mahasi Sayadaw. And he came out of this commentarial tradition with these two paths. And they started teaching the pure insight meditation style Mahasi influenced by the, where you're not emphasizing the concentration so much. Because their understanding is there's a different kind of concentration where you can't do insight. If they had happened to come influenced by many, many of the other teachers they might have found in Thailand or wherever, our whole scene would look completely different. So it's just, I don't know if there's accidents out there, but I want to say an accident of history, but it's just just the way the turn of history went. There's many, many, many people out there on both of these different approaches. And the good news is you don't have to worry about it. You can just practice however either you're taught or if you're interested or what you like, because they all seem to work. That's the good news, you can't go wrong. So it's really good news. The only thing that people could, will be wrong about out, they'll say, oh, but that's wrong and this is right. No, no, this is right and that's wrong. It's not true. We clearly have people, you can meet them and study with them, who clearly have gone very deep practicing in all these different ways. Okay? The reason I just gave you all that background is, when we now come to talk about right samadhi of the Eightfold Path. If you just have one understanding and you don't understand different ways, you're, it's going to bend how you talk about right samadhi. So right samadhi in the Pali Suttas is always defined clearly as the four jhanas. It's not like just have good concentration. It says right samadhi is the four jhanas, which I didn't get to explain much, but I meant a, just touched on what these are, those deepest states of concentration. Well, that's a little complicated. First of all, how many of us have jhana? So do we all have wrong samadhi? No. The way to understand right samadhi isn't that it has to be jhana. It culminates in the four jhanas. But right samadhi is actually always right samadhi wherever you're at. As long as it's influenced with right, the other factors of the path, right view, right understanding, right? right thought or right intention, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness. As long as those are coming in, then it's, it's right samadhi wherever we're at. So the, the, the best way to think of it is it culminates in the four jhanas. It gets a little tricky for the people who divide it into two paths because um, then it's like well, the, the suttas are telling me I'm supposed to get right samadhi of the Eightfold Path, but when I'm doing that I can't do insight, I'm supposed to come out to some lower level of samadhi to do insight meditation. This is where it gets tricky, the, the different ways people will talk about uh, right, understanding right samadhi. If you, if you take concentration to the point where you, you still can, the mind is undistracted, but you're still inclusive of all experiences, then you can take it all the way even to these four jhanas, and you still, the insight's just happening right in there. You don't, they don't separate it out in a separate practice. The mindfulness, the concentration, it's all right in, the insight's all right there together. So that was a whirlwind tour on samadhi. It's a big topic. It's a big topic. That was my whole book was on this because nobody's ever actually gone back and sort of laid it all out like that before. I don't know why anybody had never done it, but no one had. So let's, let's see if, I, just one moment, I wanna take your question, but um, just pause for a moment. I want to invite you to check into your body. Just notice how it is. Just energetically, I was quite conscious of of having a fast pace of talking because that was a lot I wanted to cover. So just energetically, maybe that may or may not have affected how you're feeling. It could have also just the concepts, the words, may have stirred some things or may not in you, so you just want to be aware. And then if, if there is something there, just kind of relaxing if you can with it. So I want to open up to questions, in particular, if there's any confusion. Well, just any questions. Yes. Well, um, yeah, there was a lot of information. Thank you. I, 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 I've I heard of John's before, but it wasn't really. But, but the way you described the the exclusive seemed almost, didn't seem very useful and seemed sort of selfish. I mean, if you, if you concentrate to a point, you're sitting there in bliss and, or levitating. Or, yeah. So what? Well the so what of it is people who who are proponents of that the idea of it is is that even when you come out of that and you've backed out to a it's not that strong of a level of samadhi there's a they would say there's an intense clarity and sharpness of the mind still that you would carry with you to your insight and that's the use of it if you're just general, if you're just doing it for the meditative state then you can do that but you know those states come and go and it's it, yeah. When you come back out, you're a little, a right. little wiser, a little more... Right. So you're, right. Just the way you described it, it right. felt and like that. Yes, when and the people who are the proponents of meditating in a style where the mind becomes just as deep but you, you haven't lost... Basically, the difference is if you, if you go just as strongly concentrated but you bring the mindfulness up to, step by step, you have to be guided how to do it to meet whatever level of concentration you have, then you end up in that inclusive style. You don't pull back the concentration, you just bring the mindfulness up to awareness up to meet it. Proponents of that would say, why have to back out to lower level of concentration? Let your concentration run as far as you want to take it and let the insight happen right there. So, the, so you know again, it's just personal styles. And what I want to emphasize here is, my guess is for most of us, you may be thinking, this doesn't apply to me. Why are we talking about this? I'm not interested. I'm not going for jhanas. I'm trying to bring practice the best I can in my daily life. Or you may think I'm just saying some things that are common for people. People may be thinking, actually, that does sound pretty good. But I'm never going to get there. I'm just not able to practice. I don't know. It's just it's way beyond. And so the way people will often talk about right samadhi is they won't get into this. What's jhana, and you can take samadhi all the way. But actually, if you want to understand. What right samadhi is? It's clear. Right samadhi is defined as the four jhana. So you have to understand what they are. If you really want to know what the teachings are, I don't know what your book says about right samadhi. Um, so he, I want to just fill in one more thing, and it, it, we'll stop a little. Well, let me fill in one other thing that's important. I mentioned this briefly that it's always right samadhi wherever you're at. Mm-hmm. I want to give you a. Um, I want to leave you with a suggestion on actually applying this to your practice. It's good to understand the ultimate of right samadhi, how it is taught in the texts as John and all of that, and there are these two different ways it's understood and all of that. When you bring it right back to your practice, did I ever tell you about the Meher Baba poster, Don't Worry, Be Happy? I used that example, right? Yeah. If you can remember that, You've got as much concentration as you got. You're at wherever you're at with your mindfulness, with your practice, with all of the Dharma qualities that you're cultivating. If we can just settle back into what's actually real and true moment by moment in our experience without thinking, oh, now I've got to get this or I'll never get or That just stirs up the mind. Just being present, however it is for us, And then from that place, which is not creating some suffering or I got to get this or or judging our practice or it's not for me, naturally by practicing in whatever ways you get taught or you work with different teachers, you will naturally deepen all this. And then it's up to you however far you want to take it. If you want to cultivate the concentration more strongly in some direction, you're welcome to do that. If that doesn't work out, it's fine. There's no right or wrong because it's ultimately about the heart and mind that's that's freed of suffering. Even the greatest meditation masters are not like permanently in some meditative state. It's not about a state. It's about whether we're in some meditative state or whether we're in ordinary daily life consciousness. Living in a place of peace. And it's all about the only purpose of concentration is if it can bring some clarity of mind so we can see sometimes on the subtler levels of where there is some clinging and some, something to be let go of. But it's all in service of the mind becoming free. It's not about getting concentrated. And so I'm saying that because Mark and I you were know, having some conversation of, you know, well, I'm gonna, they wanted me to come and talk about this. And you know, it's like, well, I'm not just going to say, well, you know, it's good to get concentrated. No. What's right samadhi? It's the four jhanas. How do we understand the four jhanas? You have to understand that these different ways it's understood. And then he said, well, everybody's going to freak out or feel like it doesn't apply to them or whatever. So it's like, but it, it does apply. If you want to head to those directions, but it's always right somebody. I'm repeating this over and over. It's over it's always right somebody wherever you're at. Hmm. Just a moment. So there was a, did, did you have your I, I was just hoping you could give us some techniques techniques yeah. of wise yeah. concentration. Oh sure. That we can use. Oh, we can do that. Okay, let me do this. I was just hoping you name what the actual four jobs were. Yeah, first Jhana, second, third and fourth Jhana. That's what they're named if you want to understand it, So here's the thing So look, so I there was I'm not trying to sell anybody a book I'm selling plenty of books if you want to get it more you can either talk to me offline Or you can even just photocopy the book if you go in the bookstore There's a book it's got a picture of a boot on it. it's called the experience of Samadhi as you walk in They're stacked up on the left and go flip through it and if you can photocopy the thing and everything if you want, and it goes into all of this stuff—the two different paths. It explains jhana in detail how it's talked about in the text. It interviews all these teachers and how they teach about it, and you can do it. We just don't have time to do it here. Okay? It's called the experience of samadhi. You can see. You might be interested. You might not. Let me just say this: There's many, many different techniques. Here's the way I teach. I teach breath meditation and I teach in a specific way, so if if you relate to breath meditation, it's not the only way, what I would say is this. Give breath, wherever it is you connect with it in your body, strong preference. That doesn't mean cling to it. There's always times when we are trying to be with the breath and we can't because there's something else going on. Even if you wanted to stay with the breath all the time, you know, other stuff's coming up and you're going to have to deal with it. But for the most part, give breath very strong preference. When other things are calm, stay, just stay on the breath, stay on the breath. And as you keep practicing, things will stay more calm more and just, just do breath meditation. It will naturally open up can't give them. Uh, you know, there's going to be a retreat next April that, that's on this. If you're interested, but it um, it's naturally opens up into to, to you're naturally through the breath mindful of everything else. It actually will bring in all the foundations of mindfulness right in just through breath meditation. So I would say just really stay with the breath, heavy duty. When other things come up so you can't do the breath, rather than it being mindfulness of breathing, then then you switch, it becomes mindfulness with breathing. Let the mindful breathing come into whatever you're dealing with. So breath's always there. So if I'm dealing with pain in the body, instead of letting go of the breath, I bring the breathing right into, stay with the breathing and then use that to meet the experience. If I'm dealing with emotions, thoughts, sounds, anything, you don't have to let go of the breath and turn to it. through the breath, come to it. This is, that's quick. Uh, uh, Here's what I'm willing to do. um, Because we're right up against nine o'clock. I'm quite, it was just too much to do in one evening. Um, I'm happy to do, I'll offer three different things. And I'll do any or all of these. I'll hang back for a little bit if you want to chat a little more and I can slow down a little. For those who are able to do it, that's one thing. Second thing is, I'm going to be back in two weeks, which is the ending, and we're going to open it up more and just, we're going to pull it all together, but open it up more, and we can, depending on questions and where it goes, we can do more then on this topic. I'm quite happy to. Third thing is, I may regret this, but um, if if you really need some support, and hopefully you have teachers or whoever you work with, that's fine. I don't, I, I realize I put a lot out there. If you want to contact me, I'll talk to you about it more. So if I get 50 contacts, I don't think I'm going to. But we'll deal with it. You can contact me. um, (laughs) um, Just you can go to my website, richardshankman.org. It has my email on there. And if you want to follow up, I just don't want to. I tell you what, here's what I'd like to do. Before you do that, let me take that back. What I'd like to do is this. Let's see if people want to hang back. Let's see what happens in two weeks. After that, if you feel like you're not, something's missing there, we'll slow it down. I'll take time and we can, if you want to wait till next April, there'll be actually a retreat at Jokoji that I'm teaching and it'll just really go into this. And you can always go sit the retreat. All right. So, so let's do this then. It's four minutes after four, after nine. After nine. Uh, we're going to end in less than one minute. Some of you may need to walk out the door right now. One thing I want to ask is some of the normal volunteers who help just put the room back together aren't here. We wanted to ask um, if we could get just a few people, if anyone would be willing to raise your hand. Just, it's, apparently, it just takes a few minutes, right? So OK, so several people raise your hand. I think it's just we put the chairs back. It's a quick vacuum. It's probably not even very long, right? Yeah. OK. So thank you all for volunteering. Okay. My energy's up. I can feel it. (laughs) So uh, let's just take a few. Let's do this. Let's just take three mindful breaths together. So I'm gonna to have to talk to Mark for the for next year. I have a right samadhi needs more than one night, it just does. So anyway, thank you all. Any of you wanna hang back, we can Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit DharmaSeed.org slash donate.